The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com events where you can get your tickets. Hello and welcome to Inside Politics, the politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Pat Leahy, sitting in this week for Hugh Linehan. It's August the 30th. Well, today is a big day for politicians and political nerds alike. After weeks and months of speculation, alas, without the merest hint of a leak, the Electoral Commission has this morning published its recommendations for the changes to Dáil constituencies which will be applied for the next general election. These are required because of the country's growing population. This morning, the Commission has recommended the addition of 14 new TDs, four additional constituencies and a series of minor tweaks and major changes across the country. Just seven constituencies are untouched. So it's a pretty major set of alterations to the electoral map of the country. But it is, for all that, at the lower end of the changes that could possibly have been recommended. A higher number of new TDs would have meant much greater changes to the configuration of the constituencies. So what will it mean? Where are the most arresting changes? Who will benefit and who will see their chances of being elected take a turn for the worst today? To get their first impressions, I'm joined by our political correspondents, Harry McGee and Cormac McQuinn. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Harry, let me go to you first. You've been operating our live story on it since some ungodly hour this morning. Just give us your impressions of the big picture. There's lots more seats, but not maybe as many as there might have been. Yeah, to quote the great Bush Shields, uh, not as good as expected, but better than I hoped. Um, When it was first announced that there was going to be between an extra 10 and 21 seats, TDs were... Uh, rubbing their hands and licking their lips because... And just just to be clear for the listeners that are coming to this anew, those extra seats are required because the census last year, 2022 census, showed a big increase in population and the constitution stipulates that there should be a TD for between every 20,000 30,000 of the population, which means bigger population, Constitution requires more TDs. Yeah. Proceed. uh, After last year's census, 38 of the 39 constituencies had breached that limit. So they had over 30,000 of a population for each of their TDs. So something had to change. Darrell O'Brien announced that there would be uh, between 10 and 21 uh, TDs in the next Doyle. And the TDs, of course, were really happy about that because uh, the incumbents know that the more seats there are, the more chances they have of retaining their seats. So in the end... Um, The thing that surprised me, first of all, was that the number of extra seats was 14, which was very close to the lower limit. So it was a very conservative increase and that took a lot of people by surprise. So if you look at the 30,000 upper limit, that had been breached, but they've brought it down to beneath 30,000, but it's at about about 29,500 now. So it means inevitably before the next election, we're going to have to Before the election... After next, yes, right? so the one in population continues to go up. More TDs again, and yeah. they, by the way, they say this morning that the population is currently increasing at a rate that requires about an extra two TDs a year, right? Absolutely, so bigger doll in the future. Absolutely, so that that's ten TDs at least uh, by twenty thirty, in addition to the fourteen 
that were added by the review this morning. In fairness to the Commission, it said initially, originally it was minded to maximise the number of TDs to the nth degree. But then it encountered difficulties when it started looking at that. In the first instance, it said that part of its brief wasn't to future-proof the Doyle. It had to look at the population as it is now and look at that in the context of the distribution of seats. There isn't a kind of a future-proofing element to the brief that they received. Secondly, when they started trying to add more seats to it, they started encountering difficulties in terms of breaching county boundaries. And uh, the Commission said that if they had uh, created, say, 18 or 19 extra TDs, they would have had to breach more county boundaries. And in addition to that, they would have had to create more three-seat constituencies. And two of the... Because there's... Sorry just to butt in again there, but there's the the kind of running instructions that the Commission, uh, which is actually should be stressed at this point, and it is an important point, Cormac, that it is an independent... Uh, it's an it, it's entirely independent of politicians. And, you know, when you look at what has happened in some other countries, the US particularly, uh, in terms of its, you know, how its uh, electoral areas have been effectively gerrymandered by the parties to suit themselves, having it as an independent operation, I think, is important, briefly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's to avoid any accusation that that there has been any gerrymandering going on. I'm sure individual TDs might feel hard done by in certain instances, but it, it'd be very hard for them to to accuse the the electoral commission of of having an an agenda in that sense because they they basically had as as their commission chief executive has repeatedly said, Arthur Leary, a battle between maths and geography. So it's kind of it's 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 quite there there are metrics there that that they can they can refer to and say, this is why we had to do that. Sure, you know? sure. And actually, this brings us back to that, those, those running instructions, right, that, they, um, that, that they're writing instructions that they had. So there's a tension between some of them because they're obviously the most important one is you have to have, you know, TDs that respect, a number of TDs that respects the constitutional limits. But they're also told to respect county boundaries as much as possible. But they're also told to respect... <laughs> natural topography. So one of the references that was made down at the press conference from which myself and Cormac have, uh, have come a little while ago, you were, you were laboring here uh, in, the, in, in the newsroom on the, the live story, is that they, you know, they didn't want to cross rivers as much uh, uh, insofar as they could uh, avoid it. But also that they wanted to minimize the disruption, as it were, to or minimize the rewriting of the electoral map. So they have these different dynamics pushing and pulling at them. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, they, they try to avoid contiguous areas that have no connection being yoked together by violence, as it were. I suppose the most famous example in the past of a constituency that didn't work uh, was when, when a review recommended uh, that Roscommon and Longford be put together. One of the, one half of the constituency was in Connacht and the other half of the constituency was in Leinster and they were separated by a, a stream, a small stream called the River Shannon. Yeah. And Mickey Doherty, who was an aide of Albert Reynolds at the time, famously came up with a quip about vote transfers. And he said, votes don't swim. So essentially it meant that in that constituency, Longford people voted for Longford people and Roscommon people voted for Roscommon people in a way that was far more apparent 
than in other constituencies. So they do try. So there are some places, for example, um, uh, parts of, I mean, if you look from a topographical point of view uh, at, at the new constituency, which is going to be very controversial, but if you look at South Wicklow and North Wexford, topographically, you know, they are, they're, they're close to each other. People trans go from one place to another, both beside the sea, both in the lowlands and both kind of distinct uh, from, from South Wexford and from, from North Wicklow in that way. But there are, that, that's one factor in terms of topography. But there are other factors, including political factors, including county boundary breach factors that also come into play and that make that decision in particular uh, very controversial. And of course, some county boundaries tend to be, you know, more important than others. There's a chunk of North Kilkenny that has gone into Tipperary mm-hmm. and I suspect they won't be too happy about that. But we might come back in a little while and go through a few of the constituencies uh, in, in, in more detail, of the new constituencies in more detail and see what you guys make of those, uh, of those changes. But, but your overall impression, Harry, is that lots of changes maybe, but, but not as many as there could have been. Yeah, I, I thought there would have been some more, uh, um, but I, I mean, they spent months poring over it. And I think that if they have a strong argument that the more seats they allotted, the more county boundaries they would have breached. I think that is a strong and compelling argument. I would also favour the creation of more large constituencies, five-seaters rather than three-seaters. Uh, we've had two extra five-seaters in this review. Uh, we've had a number of extra three-seaters, though, and that won't please the uh, smaller parties. So um, the, the Commission has argued that if there were more seats, there would have been more three-seater constituencies. which Unless they crossed county boundaries yeah, yeah, and so yeah. forth and, so, and yeah. created a whole new swathe of constituencies. Yeah, that, that would have been a, a hornet's nest. And it's, been, it's become increasingly difficult to respect county boundaries because we've gone from being a predominantly rural-based uh, population uh, to being an urban population. And if you look at the uh, east coast of the county, from, te- from the east coast uh, for, for 10 or 15 kilometres, that strip, I think, comprises two-thirds of all the population of, of the country. When you take in Dublin, uh, as far as the border with the north, uh, going down to Wexford, it's very, very heavily populated. Uh, and and there's, I, lots I, of, I, there's lots of changes in that strip. More than half of the new seats, the new 14 seats, are in that, are in that strip in Dublin, the commuter counties, all along the east coast yeah, and into absolutely. the Midlands. Yeah, so so, so it, it just does become harder in that context to respect county boundaries when you have counties that are relatively sparsely populated, you know, uh, vis-a-vis smaller counties with, with dense populations. You are going to get difficulties in trying to kind of work it out uh, so that people still have a fealty to the particular area. I mean, there have been anomalies in the past. Leitrim has always been an anomaly. Leitrim was split into two More in the past. Than one. <laughs> uh, hopefully the listeners ensure you say that, Pat. Um <coughs> Uh, Leitrim was an anomaly. It was split into two in the past and that that meant that the, the county didn't have a TD. Uh, Roscommon has been bandied around with, with loads of, of different counties in the past. It's been with Galway. It's been with uh, Longford, as I said, and it's also been uh, with Leitrim. And you have this uh, new amalgam that's happened between Wicklow and Wexford that is also suboptimal and is going to create controversy. The one thing that's interesting in my view about the new constituency is that not a single TD actually lives there at present. So In the new Wicklow, South Wicklow, North Wexford. It's, it's open season for a seat really next time yeah, around. Malcolm Byrne, who's a senator, lives in Gorey, but I think he's the only person in the Oireachtas who lives, actually lives within the cartilage of that new constituency. And Cormac, that 
new constituency of Wicklow-Wexford or Wexford-Wicklow, I suppose, depending on which end of it you're at. Uh, that, that's one of four new three-seat constituencies. Yeah, there's, there's 13 had... three-seaters now up, up from nine. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... That's bad for small parties, right? It, it, it is. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad for our proportional representation system, really. You know, the, the more seats in the constituency, the, the better the balance between the various different parties. It's good for Sinn Féin. They're, they're probably guaranteed one of those seats in each, in each of the cases, you know, barring a few anomalies here and there. You know, it's... it's it's not too bad for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael either. You know that they, they can fight it out for the other two so for it's sure. Better for the big parties, is but, that? What we're, but the, we're the saying? but there's two, there's two new five seat constituencies as well. I suppose the, there are, yeah. It's, and but it's it's the smaller parties and the, the independents that that will uh, that will get squeezed in in the three seaters. So it they they will be certainly ones to watch in the in the next election. They, they will be in some cases constituencies of death. You know uh, and. As we've seen in the past with places like Dublin Northwest, you know they 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 can be very very competitive constituencies as a result. Uh, but but yeah, I mean I think if if there was to be, you know, if they had done 178 TDs instead of 174, they would have created another eight three seat constituencies. So you know, it's, yeah, that's, this, the, that's un, the issue. Un, unless they were going to you know completely monster county boundaries, this is yeah extra TDs gives you. So I suppose you have extra TDs then in places like. Donegal, which I think there was some surprise that it's currently a five-seater. It hasn't gone to being three-seaters, which I think was pretty widely yeah. expected uh, yeah, to, other to happen. Yeah, like, like Kerry as well. Okay, it wasn't Again, as likely yeah, as Donegal. Five-seater currently, happened. people thought it would go to two three-seaters. It didn't. On the other hand, Tipperary was a five-seater, now gone to two Three-seaters. Tipperary's a, you know, there's but, but two also, couple of very strong independents I think an there. important aspect of this this report is the fact that uh, the commission was not able to consider six-seat constituencies yeah, what at was all. That? It wasn't, I mean, it was, it was set down in legislation that they would only look at creating three, four or five-seat constituencies. Now, it, there is precedence in the past and, you know, in the early years of the state, there was there was six seats, seven seats, up to nine-seat constituencies, ah, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but, not, but, it's not impossible But it's down do. in legislation and just... Just make it clear with the listeners. So the constitutional limits are on the numbers of people that a TD must represent. So between twenty thousand and thirty thousand, as constitution says, as far as it, as is practicable. But the numbers of TDs in each constituency that's laid down by legislation, and that could be changed by the Dáil on the government's recommendation. The government decided not to do that. Yeah, you, cer- you certainly get the impression the Commission had its hands tied behind its back somewhat by not being able to do six-seaters. And I suppose there's two telling things in relation to that. One is that the Commission itself has said it's going to uh, conduct research on constituency size with a view to coming up with recommendations to government for, for I suppose, the next constituency review. I'd be very surprised if, if six-seaters uh, is not top of the recommendations there. The other thing is we've already seen reactions from the smaller parties in relation to six-seaters. The, the Green Party, which will have difficulty in a lot of constituencies as a result of this review, has already put out a press release welcoming the fact that the Commission is going to look at just doing research on six seaters. So that that shows that they're taking some. That's it's the very minimal positive might, they might can take late. out of it. Might, but it's might be too late for some Green it, candidates. Absolutely, it might. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very tricky for some. I mean, one springs to mind already is is Joe O'Brien in in the newly created uh, Dublin Fingal West. You know, it's. It, it's going to be it's going to be tough to hang on to the seat there for sure. Any other difficulties for the Greens, yeah, Harry? Stephen that stand Matthews out in Wicklow, he would have been a difficulty in any instance. 
Yeah. Uh, so, and so just, Wicklow just, has been reduced to a four-seater, the, the north part of the county. Because it's lost the south yeah, part to the yeah. new three-seat constituency. Doesn't make sense yeah. for him to move to the southern part of the constituency. The southern part of the constituency will have 35,000 of a population from Wicklow and 50,000 from Wexford. So you'd imagine there'll be two TDs from Wexford and one TD from Wicklow there. Assuming people vote along county boundaries. Yes, but they, they sometimes they do. They often uh, do. Mostly yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah. They, an, uh, another that springs to mind is uh, Pippa Hackett in Offaly, which is you know, yeah, a three-seater. You know, yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah, have a seat. She's a yeah. senator, so it's it, you know it much harder her chances again. Much harder because small small parties typically getting smaller shares of the vote yeah. in each constituency. But you're in a five seat constituency. The quota is sixteen point six percent of the vote. Mm. So you get above ten percent on the first count, and you are if you can attract a few transfers, you are in with a shout. In a three-seat constituency, the quota is 25% yep. of the vote. So you really need to be up into the mid-high teens on your first preference, uh, on the first preference vote to get, uh, to be in with a shout. Yeah. So, so, so it need, is clearly you, you, difficult. Yeah, you need to be a member of an established party or else be an established brand in your own right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if there's a, a TD who's an independent, like if we, for instance, Sean Canny in Galway East, uh, top the pole in the three-seater there, but he has established a strong brand for himself as independent. As sure. have the Healy Rays, the Healy as Rays, have Matthew Michael McGrath. Lowry, Michael, um, uh, Michael yeah. Lowry, Matty McGrath, Tipperary. Yeah, yeah so if you look in the Tipperary, if Michael if Michael Lowry, for example, stands again, I mean, uh, you know, he's he's odds-on to win a seat in Tipperary North. Stand in the North. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matty McGrath will stand in the South. south. Both of them probably safe. Uh, yeah. Garrett O'Hearn, Fine Gael Centre. No Fine Gael TD in out of the five currently yeah. representing Tipperary. And Jackie is south, isn't he? Go, so he will. He's, he's in Holy Cross, so yeah. yeah. Well, could that border, be north? Yeah, borderline. borderline. That yeah. might be tricky with decision for him, yeah. yeah. Gar- Garrett Hearn has helped me happy today. With yeah, that, yeah. With and the, yeah. Alan Kelly is Tipperary north, of course. Yes. Uh, if he stands again. I mean, if, he's not yeah. So... Uh, I mean, it does increase the chances of, of each of them being elected. Another interesting... I mean, it completely... I mean, this, this is our point, isn't it? it? You change the configuration of the constituency. You can do that in two ways. One is the seat numbers and the other is the addition or subtraction of geographical areas. But it completely... The, the margins in Irish elections are so tight, typically. A couple of hundred votes makes a huge difference or can make a huge difference that, you know, you change the configuration of the constituency and it can have a profound effect on the likely outcome. Yeah, because if you look at Dublin, for example, and doing Lyra, it's ceded uh, uh, Fox Rock uh, to uh, Dublin Rat Down, which has been, which has increased in size. So does that have any implications for any of the incumbents who are there? I saw Jennifer Carl McNeil tweeted this morning, kind of slightly ruining the loss of Fox you, Rock. I bet you would, yeah. So, I mean, that might have some implications for yeah, her seat or that of Cormac. Cormac uh, Devon, the Fianna Fáil TD. Yeah, but also, but also across the the new border in Dublin Rathdown, which was a three seat constituency, mm-hmm. it was currently a three seat constituency, has three government TDs, all three of them ministers. Catherine Martin mm-hmm. is a cabinet minister. Josepha Madigan uh, is two Fine Gael TDs. Neil Richmond, Neil Richmond, and Josepha Madigan. That was going to be a bit of a group of death uh, as a three seater. Now it's going to a four-seater. That's got to be good news for you have, all you of those. Jennifer Carr McNeil ruining the loss of, of Fox Rock, but uh, Josie from Madigan posting on social me- media and welcoming Fox Rock with open arms. I'd uh, say she is, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean, another interesting constituency for me is Mayo because Mayo 
and this wasn't expected really. It's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah Mayo yeah, has increased to a five-seater, so it's it's taken back territory from Galway West. There were parts of South Mayo around Ballinrobe that were part of Galway West. My, Michael Ring made a submission to the commission looking to, to, for the return of those votes. submission to every commission. Nine seats for Mayo. <laughs> uh, so, so that's returned to, to Mayo. So on the face of it, it might... Uh, um, give uh, some confidence to the likes of Lisa Chambers yeah, opens the Fina door for her, D, yeah. who lost out last time but the rumours are that she's going to be standing for Europe and as of now I think she's still she's committed to standing for Europe but that not, may not preclude her uh, uh, standing in Mayo again and the reason that I think that's interesting is because when Micheál Martin does stand down as leader of Fianna Fáil, I think Lisa Chambers if she is around uh, uh, Leinster House will definitely be in the conversation in terms of the succession for the Fianna Fáil leadership. Well, she definitely needs to be a TD. She will need to be a TD. Um, Might come too late for her, actually, even if she is a TD. Just hold that thought and we'll come back to it after the break. But first, before we go to the break, let me just say to any of our listeners that if you're at the electric picnic this weekend and you tire of any of the tedious musical ensembles that are populating the festival, uh, you can, and you fancy some intellectual sustenance, you can come and hear Inside Politics live at the Ah Here podcast stage at 12 noon, high noon uh, on Sunday, where I will be talking to journalist and author Aoife Moore about her new book, The Long Game, about Sinn Féin. So perhaps we'll see you there. Are we getting any sense yet, or is it too early of... You know, we're kind of looking at potential individual winners and losers, but are we getting any sense of the overall picture as to who's likely to be happiest with these? Well, as Cormac was saying, Sinn Féin for sure. And the, and the yeah, new but three-seaters. I, I, sure. I think they might have been happier again, though, if, they, if there was more TDs added than the 14, you know? It's, yeah. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the party that has grown the most since the last yeah. election. So if there's new TDs, they're going to be getting the greatest share of it, right? Yeah. They also left a lot of seats behind them because they didn't expect to do as well as they did. But they're, you know, if you're polling above 30% and you're getting a reasonably representative share of that across the country, you have a TD in every constituency. Yeah. Yep, there's, right. there's a few tweak, a few areas that mightn't be so so easy for them, particularly Dublin Central, Mary Lou Macdonald's own constituency. I mean, it's staying at four seats, which makes yeah, it just a little bit harder to, to get, get somebody time, else yeah. in. But it, it, she probably will. But it's, okay, but so but it's, the real the, the real pressure for Sinn Féin now is to find candidates, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it, just looking at a few constituencies, there's, there's a lot of constituencies that I, I don't know who they'll be running at all. Even even in my own Dublin Fingal, okay, they have Louise O'Reilly in the north. She will presumably run in the new Dublin Fingal West constituency. I, I, have, I have no idea who will be running in, in Dublin Fingal East, uh, in the kind of the places left over, Swords, Malahide, Port Marnock sort of areas. I don't know if they've selected a candidate yet. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's other places where where they'll they'll have to find people as well. The new Wicklow Wexford constituency. There's no there's nobody there. Obviously, yeah. Johnny Mythen is Johnny based Mythen in Sporty, yeah, but I think he probably will migrate south, so they will have to find a new candidate there. That's either based in South Wicklow or North uh, Wexford. But the funny thing in the 2020 election it didn't matter who they stood. You know, people voted for Mary Lou in Galway East, for example. There was a guy called Louis O'Hara who nobody had ever heard of before. I mean, he's a fine young guy, but he just his name was put forward. Nobody knew him. He didn't really canvass. And he came within a hair's breadth of winning a seat. So he's likely to, to win a seat now that Goa East has gone to four seats. But I think it'll be slightly different this time round that the, the Mary Lou factor will probably be not will not probably be as strong 
in the next election as it was in the 2020 election, which was a kind of a thing. Well, they're, they're not going to take everybody by surprise at the next yep. election, right? Yeah. But there are, there's a couple of examples of places where this could be very, very good. Uh, you know, the, the prime example is uh, Dublin Midwest going from a, a four-seater to a five-seater. They already have two of the, the TDs there. They, could they win three? Mark Ward. Well, this is the thing. I mean, yeah. It's a, a good a good vote strategy in that, in that constituency could very well see them win three. Um, and Gino Kenny and Emer Higgins and Fine Gael, you know, could still hang on to their seats, mm. you know. Um, Donegal is a little bit trickier, though, in that we widely expected it to be split into two three seaters so you know they've they've got two TDs up there at the moment Pierce Doherty and Port McLaughlin uh, Port McLaughlin previously lost his seat when they when they when they tried to run three candidates they went candidates, for three out of five you know, so, in 2016 you know, right? now, but they're in a very different position now than yeah, they were yeah, in 2016 so you know you'd, you'd, you'd have to see them taking a punt on the three out of the five again but will they succeed it'll be a fascinating one to watch yeah Cavan Monaghan they should be gunning for three out of five Loud they should be gunning for three out of five as well Mary Lou's constituency, Dublin South Central, they got one seat. Uh, I think on the basis of the uh, returns that Angus O'Snuddy had in Dublin South Central, they could have taken two easily and could possibly have taken three and Breed out Smith of four. And Breed Smith isn't going to stand. Yeah, so and they're going to take yeah. two there's, there. There's opportunities in both of the Cork constituencies as well. Cork, Cork, Cork yeah, but, Central, but, yeah. But there's Cork. also this dynamic running, right? Say, in some of those constituencies, as typified by the Cork ones, right? So there was Cork North Central, Cork South Central. Both were four-seaters. Sinn Féin ran one candidate in each one, one seat. They would have been targeting two seats in each of those constituencies and would have been in a strong position to uh, to, to win them on the day. Now they go to five-seaters. They'll almost certainly win a second seat mm. in both of those places on current polling numbers, but at nobody's expense, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, that's, that's the... That's the, the the, the consequence of having extra seats. Yeah. You know, there, there's a, it's a, it's a zero-sum game for Sinn Féin and for others. Uh, but um, it, it would mean that, that the incumbents in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and, and some of the other smaller parties who were threatened by Sinn Féin would be able to retain some of the seats. Yeah, for instance, in Cork North Central, you've got, I think, Mick Barry, whose seat would have been very much oh, yeah. threatened by Sinn Féin. He's now given a lifeline by this, right? Yeah, Absolutely. But they'll still be under threat. I mean, there'll be transfers that went to Mick Barry from Sinn Féin yeah. in 2020 that won't go again. So it uh, depends on how how uh, flahul Sinn Féin are with their transfers. If you look at Dublin Midwest, the Cormac was talking about, Gino Kenny benefited a lot from, from Sinn Féin transfers I, I, in 2020. They won't be going to him in such volumes this time. So Sinn Féin, if they were to take a third, I'd say they would take a third, perhaps at the expense of uh, Gino Kenny in, in Dublin Midwest. Which... If that pattern is repeated, and we've talked about this yeah. before, I suspect it's maybe exacerbated a little bit by these um, uh, by these numbers. The danger for the likes of Mick Barry, Gino Kenny, and that, but uh, but it, it it doesn't help Sinn Fein put together a parliamentary majority, which is now or which will be in the next all will be eighty eight yeah. seats, which is a big number to get to. Yeah, I think a more realistic expectation for Sinn Fein would be around sixty to sixty five. Uh, um, you know, given the current polling numbers and given their their growing strength as a party, that's in terms well, of yeah, that's, 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 that's nearly doubling. Of, that's nearly doubling yeah. their numbers of seats. Expensive Labour, so, Social Democrats, the Greens, the uh, people Fall, for profit. Everybody, they'll, they'll have to take seats from everybody. That's the way. That's the nature of politics. But the smaller parties, firstly, and then they kind of the the, the kind of the the Republican part of the Venn diagram between themselves and Fianna Fáil and the working class, the former blue class 
blue-collar voters who voted for Fianna Fáil who have transferred a mass to Sinn Féin, especially in the big urban areas, including Dublin. And so does this report today then do anything to, you know, the mix of forming the next government? If you're estimating Sinn Féin in the 60s in seats, that's still a heck of a way away yeah. from, uh, from, from, from 88 and difficult to make up if they are pulling a lot of those seat gains from left-wing parties yeah. and independents. Then it, it well, I, th- I think the point that you were making there, Pat, that the candidates will probably be far more scrutinised this time than, than were the last time. I mean, they, have, they certainly elected people who are not really dull material. And I'd say the party is trying to see if they can find alternative candidates to replace them uh, the next time around. I mean, they have a certain number of TDs we never see and we never hear of uh, because they, weren't ex- they didn't expect themselves to become mm-hmm. TDs mm-hmm. and nobody else expected them to become uh, uh, TDs. So I think their candidates will be scrutinised uh, far more this time than in the past. And as Cormac was saying, I mean, they, they haven't selected candidates in many of the constituencies as yet, and it will come down to candidate selection. So on, on current poll numbers, Sinn Féin are doing well. But I think as we come closer to the election, I think Sinn Féin will find itself subject to far more scrutiny than it was in 2020. So it will have to have all its kind of uh, uh, ducks in a row and its house in order for it to achieve the kind of numbers it has set itself out to, to do. I can't see Sinn Féin getting 70 or 80 seats. I really can't, just based on the way that politics is nowadays. Well, I think be, even getting they, 60 would be they, a very they good need day to be out tipping the high 30s, touching 40 in the polls for that, right? Yeah. And, you know, who knows what happens in a campaign. And get a seat and, a and, and Between it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, but it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to happen on current trends, right? No, no. no. There is the challenge of incumbency in a lot of places as well for Sinn Féin because they'll have candidates that nobody has heard of, albeit you could could have slapped Sinn Féin on a wheelie bin last time around and probably got got that bin elected. Mm-hmm. But like again, to return to Dublin Fingal, the new Dublin Fingal East, you ha- have uh, Duncan Smith, a Labour TD in Swords. You know, he would in theory be the most under threat from a, a Sinn Féin candidate, but he has he has put in five years of work almost in that constituency, and he's he's known, you know. So you could you couldn't write him off as a result, you know. And they will face that in places around the country. I mean, Dublin Northwest, Roisin Shortall is there now. Whether she runs or not, she has said her attention is, I think, at this point to do so. But but she it'd be hard for Desi Ellis to get a a, a running mate in at her expense. You know, it it certainly be a battle uh, whether whether if whether she did successful or not. You know, so. Th- they won't have it all their own way, in, even in some of the three-seaters, because, because of the incumbency factor. We're slightly off the point of the, the changes today, but it is heading us towards a conclusion that the, next, that the next government, if it is to be led by Sinn Féin, will have to be Sinn Féin-Fianna Fáil government. Yeah, I can't see any alternative. Uh, they, the left-wing parties just won't have the numbers to make up a majority in, in tandem and, with Sinn Féin. And I suppose, you know, to, to relate it back to today, the left-wing parties are not helped by this, right? In general, you know, insofar yeah. as we are reaching any conclusions uh, about the general shape of it, it's that the smaller left-wing parties are not helped by it. No, but with the exception perhaps of the Social Democrats. Social Democrats seem to be on a kind of an upward trajectory at the moment. They seem to yeah, have a little, little bit, bit of... But Holly Kearns is going to have her work cut out to keep that seat. Yeah, Three-seater down in Cork Southwest yeah, she, was... There was some expectation that it might go to a four-seater, but it hasn't. Yeah, but she, she's the most vulnerable of all the Social Democrats' TDs. Ironically, I, I, I can see the, all of the others retaining their seats if they should uh, 
Jennifer stand. Whitmore won't like this though down a seat in, yeah in, in I think Wickland. she'll still have a very good chance of, of retaining her seat um, I think the same for um, Gary Gannon Gary Gannon in, under a bit of threat from Shin that Fein. extra Sinn Féin seat yeah uh, Keanu Callaghan I think is safe enough uh, Roisin very safe and if Captain Murphy yeah. if she goes again in Kildare uh, North uh, so uh, yeah I think Holly Curran's probably the most vulnerable of them but I see Social Democrats as being less vulnerable uh, to the impending threat of Sinn Féin than the Labour Party is I'm, I'm finding it, like, it's, it's easy to say that Sinn Féin will benefit from all these I'm finding it a bit more difficult to see what the impact will be for Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil particularly Fianna Fáil I, I think Fine Gael will probably be reasonably happy with with lots of the decisions they obviously number one being Dublin rat down um, you know but it's it's a bit an extra seat also sorry to cut across you, an extra seat in Dublin West the Taoiseach's constituency yes, he yeah. will be under a lot of pressure to lead from the front yeah, to bring absolutely. in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd probably he'd most, to, most likely he? be Emer Curie, I suppose, the, yeah. the senator. Um, they'll be happy enough with, with Tipperary South and Garrett O'Hearn having a, a chance uh, to, to get elected there and to return a Fine Gael TD to Tipperary. Uh, Mayo probably is probably well, good enough for them, albeit they already have two there, so probably more likely benefit Fianna Fáil. But it, I'm, I'm finding it a bit harder to tell... To, determine the impact on Fianna Fáil nationally. I mean, one obvious one is, you know, like, but they were safe anyway. Micheál Martin and, and Michael McGrath courts out central. It's, it's, it just made it a bit easier again for them to, to keep their seats. Mm-hmm. But they were never under threat anyway, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have views on it, but I, I think it, given the importance Fianna Fáil will have in terms of forming next government, particularly if they decide to to go in with Sinn Féin, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's a question that we'll have to dig into, I think. Harry, as well, if they show any <laughs> if um, they show any inclination of going in with Sinn Fein before the election, I think their goose will be cooked because people will just vote for Sinn Fein in that instance. So um, they they have to be very careful about how they approach the election and the messages that they do have, and they're going to have to tread very carefully when it comes to to if if they if if they are contemplating uh, at some stage, you know, a coalition with Sinn Fein, they have to be able to phrase it very carefully uh, indeed, because if it's phrased wrongly or if it's presented wrongly, uh, it could have um, repercussions for the party. Well, perhaps you might phrase it as no beforehand and yes afterwards. Well, exactly. Something like that. It will have to be something like that. Because if they say yes beforehand, I think their goose will be cooked, to be quite honest. My guess is that nobody will rule out, is that Finfall won't rule out anybody before the the next election, just as Sinn Féin won't. I think Fine Gael will. I think Fine Gael will rule out Sinn Féin. Yeah. They will then... Will Sinn Féin rule out Fine Gael? I think they probably will as no, well. No, I don't think they? so. I think, I think Sinn Féin would say we'll, talk, time, we'll yeah. talk to everybody yeah. and let other people rule, uh, rule them out. But that dynamic is kind of hard to foresee, I guess, you know, until you get into that election. I mean, it was very much the dynamic of the last election was very much Sinn Féin as the coming thing. And yeah. Even, you know, you remember the, you know, they weren't going to be led into the RTE leaders debate and, and and then they were and there was this sense of them as the coming thing throughout and you know as the voice for change and 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 the vehicle for the intentions of voters who wanted above anything else change my sense is they will have to spell out a little bit more before the next election what that change would mean and um, but while at the same time moving to the centre, you know. While at the same time moving for the centre of holding the door open for Fianna Fáil, but it's very hard to campaign as the party of change if it is clear that your most likely coalition 
partner is Fianna Fáil. So I just think it's a bit more complicated. I mean, look, Sinn Féin are in a vastly more advantageous position than they were at the last election. And we're, you know, we're going through these constituency changes and we're looking at Sinn Féin picking up seats here, there and, and, and everywhere. And that's what we all expect. But it's the approach to the campaign and the nuance of the campaign, I think, that will be a bit more complex for them uh, next time out. And that is not something yeah. that is contradicted by today's recommendation. I, I think the 2020 election was an unusual election that a lot of it turned on the actual, I mean, a lot of election campaigns turn on the three weeks of campaigning itself, but this one more so than than, than others. And a lot of it was grounded on the remarkable performance of Marie Lou MacDonald during the course of that campaign. And as I was saying earlier on, people did vote for her. I mean, it was a Mary Lou election. They wanted anybody but Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. That was the sentiment. And they plumped for Mary Lou in droves. I think people will be far more uh, interrogative uh, next time round of what Sinn Féin has presented, its policies, its candidates, and the, the quality of the um, of, of the manifesto that it does present. It hardly had a manifesto the last time, and it, sh- it just kept everything to a minimum. And it really benefited from that. I think that will change. The other thing uh, that I wanted to say, just in terms of the overall context, is that in the past, when there have been kind of sweeping changes, uh, there are, are some incumbents who woke up to find that their kind of their power base had gone That's completely. Right. And I don't yeah. think it's quite as evident this time. I remember in Galway East, for example, uh, Paul Connington Jr. and uh, Michal Kitt uh, woke up in 2016 to find out that all of the half of their half of their strongholds in East Galway had gone to Roscommon, and uh, both uh, Michal Kitt decided there and then to retire, and uh, uh, Paul Connington Jr. Uh, subsequently lost his seat because he'd lost most of his of his base. Uh, I don't think there's any... I don't see, yeah, I don't see. There was also Noel Rock had a chunk of his base went into Dublin Central. Jerry Buttermer. I'm not sure I see any egregious examples of that today. Do you guys? Yeah, I mean, like, I've been looking at a few areas. Cork Northwest loses 20,000 people in Ballancolleague into into one of the Cork City constituencies. But but there's no TD in that area at the moment. The, the two Fianna Fallers are based elsewhere in the county. The, the one who would have been closest is Fine Gael's Michael Creed. And he announced earlier this year that he's not running again. So, you know, sometimes relatively big population changes can happen without really impacting people yeah. all that much at yeah. all. But of course, there's a load of extra TDs. There's 14 yeah. extra TDs. So sure. it's not yeah. going to be as dramatic but, in that but respect. But so, so far, no TD, no incumbent has been forced to move constituency. When you uh, give the example of Ballancolleg there, for example, Ballancolleg was originally part of Cork North Central yeah. and it was moved to Cork North West. And the then Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North West was, was one of them was Bat O'Keefe. He actually moved constituency uh, to Cork Northwest because he was from Ballincollig, so he followed his vote to Cork Northwest. He put the noises, the noses of the Moynihans further up the constituency out of joint, but he did succeed in changing constituency and winning his seat. Uh, Frankie Feehan did the same actually. Uh, he moved from Roscommon uh, uh, to Sligo Leitrim and successfully uh, uh, got elected in, in in a new constituency, albeit one that has. Uh, a lot of his own base in it. Actually, Frankie Feehan, uh, Sligo Leitrim now has lost the Boyle electoral uh, district to Roscommon and that's where Frankie Feehan is actually based. So uh, he, he is in a constituency now that includes none of the county from which he comes, which is Roscommon. So that's one of the anomalies. But I don't, I'm sorry to return to Cork as yeah. well. Uh, a large chunk of Mallow 
uh, has gone to Cork Northwest or to Cork North Central, yeah. Cork Northwest, about fourteen thousand people. So that that could impact, I suppose, uh, particularly somebody like um, Sean Sherlock, Sherlock Labour, yeah. maybe Sherlock. you know. So there there probably are it, there probably are people that will be impacted by these things, but we just yet to come out in the wash yet as to as to who they are, you know. Well, we can, we will continue our detailed study of it. I'm sure we will return to these uh, to these fascinating perambulations through the uh, high roads and by roads of the new constituencies. Um, but for now, uh, my thanks to Harry McGee and to Cormac McQuinn, to JJ Vernon on sound, and our producer Declan Conlon. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>